0: Well, good morning, church family. Glad to be with you this morning. Uh, now is the all important time of trying to invite our young friends and family members to stay with us during worship. They haven't taken us up on it yet. Uh, they, every time we've asked, they've decided, no, we're gonna go with Michelle to Children's Church. <laughs> so now is the time to make your decision, uh, my young friends. If you are between the ages of two years old and second grade, you can go with Micheline and have a blast in Children's Church, or you can stay here and uh, have a blast listening to me. And they're all going. If you are here with us for the first time, we are so thrilled to have you. Uh, We wanna thank you for visiting with us and being a part of our worship service and worship gathering Uh, every week we meet here at the same time in the same place and we gather together to worship uh, this god that we serve this god that we profess this God that we love. And so we're so glad that you are here with us today, joining us for worship, and we invite you to be full participants uh, in everything that, uh, that you feel led uh, to participate in. Later on, we'll have our communion meal, and we invite you to partake of that with us if you would like. Uh, but at this time, uh, we, we spend a few minutes pausing and reflecting and trying to think about what it is that God wants us to focus on today. And as I was preparing for today, uh, I, I just kept thinking over and over and over again about this word, discipleship. And to be a disciple. Uh, And so I wanted to spend a few minutes just uh, talking about this, reading a passage of Scripture, a couple of passages uh, passages of Scripture over us, allowing us to let those Scriptures guide our conversation. Now, what we're going to be doing here is really the work uh, of trying to discover who God has created us to be. And we're using this word discipleship as a lens. And the word discipleship is kind of a funny word because it's not a word necessarily that we use in everyday language. Yeah, we use it here. But in your jobs, in your families, there, there probably isn't a lot of times that you're going around saying, well, I'm a disciple of my boss, uh, or I'm a disciple of my spouse, or, or my kids are disciples of me as a parent. Uh, there aren't many times that we use this word, disciple, or discipleship, uh, whenever we talk about our daily life. And so I want to take this word, and I want to try to figure out a way for us to, to use this, uh, to understand who it is that God has called us to be in this Moment right now, we're going to be doing the inner work of discovering who God has called us to be as disciples. Now, I'm sure many of you are familiar with preachers who uh, commonly uh, complain about or, or uh, try to teach about uh, whenever their their congregation gathers together, and somebody in their church, as they're on the way into church, asks them uh, the question that every one of us is dreading on Sunday morning: "How are you?" You guys have heard this right many times. You walk into church, and someone asks how are you? What is the answer that you give? I'm fine. We're fine. We're on a time schedule here. We need to get into church. I don't want to be rude. I need to be polite. Things are going well enough for me to say it's fine, even though there are probably a dozen things that we're thinking of when we gather together in this place. Of course, preachers have talked about this for a long time. They've complained about it. They've tried to teach about it, and today what I want to do is not complain about it or teach about it, but I want to take a little bit of a different angle this morning and ask us to think about When we gather together and we talk about being disciples, what are we really trying to say? What are we really trying to say when we ask someone how they're doing at church? What are we really trying to say when we respond that we're fine? What is it that our language really and truly means in this place? Now, I want to throw out a couple of other words to you because they're, they're fun words. They're words that we use, perhaps, in our everyday language. And yes, I'm going to be poking a little bit of fun at ourselves and, and even me in particular as well because these are the kinds of words that we use in only places like this. Words like hedge of protection. I have never been doing yard work and thought I need to trim my hedge of protection. I only use that when I talk about prayer. Uh, what about words like uh, fellowship? Fellowship is a favorite word of this congregation because it means food, but we say fellowship uh, because we, we want to we figure out how we can use Scripture to interpret everything that we do, which is a good thing, uh, but what we really mean when we say fellowship is uh, lunch. There's going to be a lunch, and we all are excited to eat that food. Uh, what about another word, a word perhaps uh, uh, like prayer closet? Has anybody ever used the word prayer closet before? Uh, this is something that nobody else in the world knows about except for us Christians. Uh, you designate a room in your house, a closet, uh, and you use that as your prayer closet. We do this with the word discipleship as well. To be a disciple. Perhaps it's a word that many other people are unfamiliar with, and so today our job, our task, is to try to discover what it is that we mean when we say discipleship or when we claim to be a disciple. Of Jesus, And I hope that you'll enjoy this journey today, this discovery of what it means to rediscover through the words of Scripture what it means to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus. So if you have a Bible today, I would invite you to open it up. Uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there is one right in the pew in front of you, and you can turn over to John, chapter 1, with us. It's going to be found on page 1,647 and we invite you to turn there and read with us. We're going to read this passage right at the beginning of John's Gospel because Jesus uh, has come on the scene. He has uh, already spent time with John the Baptist in the wilderness, and now uh, he is going to call his own followers, his own disciples. And we encounter several of them in this story in John chapter 1, starting in verse 35. Uh, and hopefully you're turned there or you have your phone uh, uh, turned to that passage and you can follow along with us. This is John chapter 1, starting in verse 35. It says the next day, John was standing again with two of his disciples, talking about John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus walking along, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked, what are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? He replied, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Now one of the two disciples who heard what John said and followed Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ, and he led him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day Jesus wanted to go into Galilee and he found Philip. Jesus said to him, Follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets, Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. Nathanael responded, Can anything from Nazareth be good? And Philip said, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, And he said about him, Here is a genuine Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, How do you know me? Jesus responded and answered, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are God's son. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe? Because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. I tell you, you will see greater things than these. I assure you that you will see heaven open and God's angels going up to heaven and down to earth on the human one. This interesting passage found in John's gospel comes right at the start. Uh, And and all of the gospel accounts include stories like this one, where Jesus comes and he calls disciples. He comes and he calls people who are going to follow him. And they do. They leave everything behind, and they follow Jesus. Now, in John's account, there are some particular characters that, that, uh, that stand out in this story. We have Andrew, we have Simon Peter, we have Philip, and we have Nathaniel. These are the four who stand out in this story. In the other gospel accounts, you'll find stories of the other disciples included as well. But today, we see from these four people, some really helpful ideas about what it means to be a disciple. They perhaps give us an understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And so today, what I'd like to do is I would like to turn back the clock a little bit. Uh, This is not typically my preaching style, but I'm going to give you two preaching styles that are not my own, and hopefully uh, they will help us to understand what it means to be a disciple. So uh, how many of you are familiar with a sermon that has three points and an application? Raise your hands. This side of the room is heavy on three points in an application. So maybe this side of the room is more accustomed to four practical steps for what it means to be a disciple. Anybody understand the four practical steps like two people. Okay, well, you're going to get them both today, uh, so you're in for a lot. I'm going to throw a lot of information at you, uh, and I hope that we can follow along in this passage and see what uh, what it means to be a disciple and what John is trying to highlight in this story. Okay, so first of all, I want to start with our three steps in an application. So the first thing that I want to point out is that these disciples drop everything when Jesus asks. Did you notice that in the story Uh, in the other stories it's it's pronounced as well but here uh these two disciples they come to jesus it's andrew and an unnamed disciple and they come to jesus and they want to know where he's staying jesus invites them to come along come and see he says and they leave everything and they go with him the rest of the day and not only that day but the following day and the rest of the story continues and we find out that years go by and these disciples are following jesus in some of the other gospels we find out that they leave their jobs They leave their families, they drop everything at the moment's notice, and they follow Jesus. So point number one, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who drops everything when Jesus asks. And it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter how important it is, jobs and families are good things, but these disciples leave those things behind in order to follow Christ. That's how important it is to follow Jesus. Not only that, point number two, disciples make other disciples. Did you notice that in the story? I love how uh, Andrew and then Philip repeat the same language that Jesus used. Jesus invites Andrew and this unnamed disciple to come and follow him, and he says, come and see. And then Andrew goes and finds his brother, Simon Peter, and then the next day we have Philip, and he goes and he finds Nathanael, and they say, come and see, we have found the Christ. We found the Messiah, the one that all of this has been leading us to. And they come. Disciples help to make other Disciples. Point number three, disciples do what Jesus does. Uh, The disciples and followers of Jesus, uh, they end this story by confessing who Christ is. Nathanael says, you are the true king of Israel. It's a dangerous thing to say because there's already a king. And Nathanael says, that's not the king, Jesus, you're the true king. And then they devote their lives to following Jesus and doing the things that Jesus does. Uh, I love the story uh, found in other Gospels when Jesus sends out the disciples plus the other 60. There's 72 who are sent out, and Jesus sends them out, and he says, go, make, make other disciples, announce the good news, preach to them who Jesus is. And as they go, Jesus says, if there are any who uh, are opposed to this story, simply continue on, because there are still yet others who need to know who I am, who need to hear what I do. And so the disciples follow Jesus' instruction. They go. They do what Jesus did. They cast out demons. They heal the sick. And they invite others into this grand story of Jesus. So there's our three points. Our three points uh, to drop everything when Jesus asks, to make other disciples, and to do what Jesus uh, does. So what could our application possibly be out of this? Well, it's, it's really pretty simple. Our application is simply to be a disciple. To make the choice to do this to do those things, to follow this, the lead that we see in this passage in John chapter 1, to drop what, whatever is in our path uh, and instead choose the path of Jesus. Uh, to, to instead of uh, trying to do things our own ways, instead we're going to do things according to Christ and we're going to make other disciples, we're going to invite others into this journey with us, and of course we're going to do the kinds of things that Jesus did, announce the kinds of things that Jesus has done. Okay, so there's our three points in our application. But I know some of you, that's not your flavor, that's not your style. You're waiting for four practical steps. You're wondering, what can I do right now? What is the practical step number one? And here we go. Practical step number one, you can ask the question. Now, I I did these in order according to the text. But really what we discover is that number one and number two are really out of order. We perceive the second step to be the second step, but it's really the first step. But in this story, what we see is we have Andrew and the unnamed disciple, they come to Jesus and they wanna know, Jesus, where are you staying? They ask him the question, they they seek him out and they wanna know what's going on with this Jesus. And so they ask the question, but of course, in reality, what we come to discover is that the first step is really the second step, and the second step is really the first step. And so the first step, which I'm calling the second step, is really to open the mail. We have to open the mail. Do you see that in this passage? Jesus gives them an invitation, come and see. He asked them to open the mail. Now, of course, we perceive this as the second step. I'm going on and on about this, but it's important. We perceive it as the second step, but really it's the first step. Because what we come to find out when we discover who Christ really is and who this God that we're worshiping today really is, is that the invitation has been open all along. We have simply forgotten to open the mail. It's been sitting there. It's been waiting. It's, a, it's an email that's unread in our inbox. It's that letter from your cousin that you've been ignoring. It's on your counter. You haven't opened it yet. And Jesus sends us the mail. It's been there all along, but we finally perceive that Jesus invites us, come and see. Open the mail and see what this is all about. The third practical step is we have to RSVP, right? We have to let Jesus know if we're coming or not. The disciples do this. They just choose to follow Jesus. They go along with him. They leave everything else behind. They RSVP yes, we will attend the life of Jesus for three years, leading up to his death, and then finally his resurrection. And then beyond that, of course, the story continues with with us, the church, gathered together to worship this God. We have to RSVP. To put this more in language that we might be more accustomed to, uh, we need to accept the invitation. Uh, We need to confess that we need the invitation. And this is what an RSVP is all about in the Christian way of life, right? An RSVP is all about confessing that we need Jesus, that we can't do this on our own. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's not up to this church or that church. We need Christ. We have to confess. We have to RSVP. Yes, we will attend. We will follow Christ. And of course, that leads us into our commissioning, the fourth practical step. We have a job to do. All of the Gospels end with the same question in mind. Now that you have heard the story of who Jesus is, what are you going to do? Jesus leaves us with a task. He leaves us with a job. And so we've got work to do. In this story, Andrew and Philip, they carry the story to the next person. They lead us forward. They invite others to come and participate. And they themselves join along too. We have a job to do. Now, of course, the life of discipleship is more complicated than uh, three points in an application. It's more complicated even than four practical steps to what it means to be a disciple. Of course, we know that. We know that that's true. We know that this life of discipleship is costly. Isn't it? It's costly. Jesus asks for nothing less than all of us. That's going to cost us some things along the way. It's going to cost us our selfishness. It's going to cost us our own privileges. It's going to cost us what we think we deserve, but Christ invites us to come and be disciples. There's one word that I I kind of skipped over in this story because I wanted to return to it here as we near the end of our sermon time. It's a word that comes right at the beginning of the story. If you turn back in or look back in your Bible, uh, you'll find it there at the very beginning. The disciples, they come uh, and they ask Jesus in verse 38. They say, Rabbi, where are you staying? Where are you staying? It's a very simple word. Uh, it's, it's the Greek word "meno." It's a verb that means to remain, to abide, uh, to live. It's a very simple word. But it's a word that John will use over and over again in his gospel. As he tries to show us the story of Jesus, as he tries to teach us what it means to be a disciple, he's going to return to this idea constantly. What does it mean to stay, to remain, to abide? And here, the disciples, when they come to ask Jesus, they ask, where are you staying? And they mean it very simply. They wanna know, are you staying the night? Are you gonna be here again tomorrow? Where can we find you? It's a very simple question. But John, as he quotes Jesus, and as he tells the story of Christ, he wants us to understand that this is a much larger question than the disciples really understand that they're asking. Because they're asking Jesus if he's got a motel room, they're asking Jesus if he's here on a short-term mission trip or if he's here for the long term. And what John wants us to understand is that what it means to stay with Christ, to remain with Christ, to abide with Christ, is a much larger question. So if you've still got your Bibles open, I invite you to turn over to John chapter 15. Uh, just a couple of pages later, you can find it, uh, hopefully, i uh, fairly quickly, and I want to read a couple of verses for us today as we begin to conclude. Because John returns to this idea of what does it mean to remain or to abide, and I want to highlight this as we finish our conversation today about what it means to be disciples. We're going to start in verse 4 of chapter 15. Jesus says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, they're thrown into a fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit. And in this way, prove that you are my disciples. This idea of remaining, of staying, the disciples simply want to know where is Jesus going to be that night. But John takes that word and he returns back to it later in the gospel as he quotes Jesus' story, uh, his image of the vine and the branches. He wants us to know that to remain with Christ is a lifelong endeavor. But it's the only endeavor that will truly lead us to life. To be a disciple of Jesus. Yes, of course we drop things when Jesus asks us to drop them. We make other disciples as we see in that first chapter in the first story we read. Of course, we follow those four practical steps. We open the mail, we receive the invitation, we RSVP, and we work on our job. But to be a disciple of Christ means to remain in Christ and ultimately to receive the life of Christ. And so today, this is not uh, wrapping up the conversation on what it means to be a disciple. This is simply an entry point for us to continue the conversation, for us to continue the thoughts that are going through your mind this week as we discover what it means we should be and do when we talk about discipleship. And so to, today, perhaps you've been spurned on to think of something specific this week. Uh, perhaps you've been uh, thinking of, how can I follow Christ? How can I be a disciple? How can I receive this gift of life that Christ wants to offer to each one of us. Perhaps you're already thinking of something, but if you're not, I'd like to give you a couple of options. Perhaps today the response that you're needing to hear is that you simply need to rededicate yourself to being a follower of Jesus, that you simply need to choose today that yes, I'm going to continue to live faithfully to the calling of Christ on my life. Maybe what it means is the next time somebody asks you how you're doing at church, Maybe instead of looking at your watch and saying, we've got somewhere to be, maybe it means instead you'll pause and you'll say, well, today I'm trying to be a disciple. And maybe I'm doing well, and maybe I'm struggling. But today I'm trying to do what Jesus has done. I'm trying to follow Christ. Maybe it means reopening your heart to the body of Christ, the church. Maybe it means that you have shut yourself off from the church because of a past wound or a past hurt. Those experiences are very real. I don't want to deny them to you. But perhaps today what Christ is inviting you to do is to open your heart to Him again. And to say, I do truly choose to follow Christ today. Maybe it means recommitting yourself to service to someone else. Maybe it means uh, saying hello to someone that you haven't said hello to in a long time and in fact have been avoiding. It can mean any number of things. But to be a disciple of Jesus is to do what Jesus did, and ultimately to receive the life that Jesus has extended to each one of us. May we truly be disciples of Christ this week. May we truly be people who follow the way of Jesus. Today our our elders are going to gather around the sides of the room, as they always do, and they would love to receive you in prayer at this moment. Uh, If there's something going on that you would specifically like to pray with, or perhaps you just want to pray about what it means to be a disciple and how you can do that well this week, they would love to receive you. I'll be down front as we uh, gather together and worship again, and I would love to talk with you about baptism and about committing your life to Christ uh, by going through the waters of baptism. Would you please respond while we stand together and worship?